0: the sports career podcast episode 184 what are the benefits of volunteering when starting a career in the sports industry sports achiever ed bowers here your host for this podcast show thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast it's great to have you here and as always my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who can inspire and really encourage you to be the best you can be in your day-to-day life especially if you have an interest in personica in the mass participation industry i really do hope that today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Tim Oberg. Tim is the strategic director of Asia Pacific at Parkrun. Tim has a really interesting sports career journey, which he will share on this podcast show. But he's also a sports educator and he's a big promoter of physical activity, where his role at Parkrun is to really enhance the Parkrun movement with regards to promoting physical activity at the grassroot level. So for that reason, it's such a privilege to have Tim as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Tim will share his sports career journey and explain to you the benefits of volunteering when starting a career in the sports industry. Tim, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Please could you share to listeners your sports crew journey. When did it all start?
1: G'day, Ed. Great to be here. So uh, I'm Tim Oberg from Parkrun Australia, based in Australia. Uh, and my, well, my sports career started like, a, <laughs> if we call it a career, but my, you know, I played a lot of sport as, as a kid, uh, loved sport, and I, and I probably identified from the age of about 14 that I wanted to do sport or do something in sport as a job. Um, I come from a a family of teachers, uh, so whether that meant sport as in being a PE teacher or sport as in being some sort of trainer or exercise physiologist or physiotherapist, I I wasn't sure. But I certainly had uh, sporting career aspirations from a pretty young age, about 14. Uh, And I remember that because when I was going into senior at high school, so years uh, 11 and 12, we had to select subjects that would then lead us into university, and so I clearly remember uh, when I was in year ten uh, selecting the subjects that would uh, best set me up for getting into a, a Bachelor of Applied Science in Human Movement Studies uh, in university. Uh, so, yeah, clearly remember making making that decision, and so uh, progressed through high school, played lots of sport, but I was never going to be uh, an, an athlete, professional athlete. Uh, that was that was clear. I was pretty pretty. Um, uh, enthusiastic, uh, but yeah, didn't have that elite uh, ability. So so I guess going into university, going into a human movement degree, I'm, again, I'm still thinking I'm going to work in sport, um, progressing through university, getting to the last year of university. And I guess there were two things that sort of happened to me in that year. One is it, it sort of became clear to me that there, it wasn't exactly obvious what I was going to do when I graduated with an Applied Science Human Movement Studies degree. Uh, There were various options, but nothing was really clear, so I didn't quite know exactly what I was going to do after university, uh, whether it would be straight into the workforce or further study or whatnot. Uh, But then the other thing that happened was uh, we had uh, teaching agencies from the UK came and presented to us about opportunities to go and teach and live in the UK. Uh, and to me that sounded really exciting though. I, I, I'll remember they stood in front of us in the lecture theater and they said, you can come to the UK and you can teach in Kent. I remember they said, you can teach in Kent. And, and I'm like, where's Kent? And I'm looking it up on the map. Uh, and, and, um, and they said, you can earn up to 130 pounds a day. Uh, and at that point, the Aussie currency was reasonably weak and the British pound was very strong. So we're all crunching those numbers and it's like, that's $250 a day. And uh, so that just sounded great. So so in the end, I went from, I guess, uh, having this aspiration to study sport and work in sport to then having a bit of a, a turn and, and going, well, I'm, I'm actually going to go and teach in the UK for, for a couple of years. Uh, at that point, Australians, young Australians could, could get a two-year working holiday visa. So that was that was sort of the thought. I'm going to move to the UK. I'm going to teach for these agencies. I'm going to earn 130 pounds a day and I'll, I'll just see what happens. Uh, now, lo and behold, as, as things, things happen, um, I, I, I taught for about a year in the UK and had a great time. Um, But then some other opportunities presented themselves in London and and I ended up um, training up to be a tour guide. Uh, and I ended up working for some some uh, little independent tour companies, where I was taking uh, little bus trips across to Europe, um, frantically reading out of a Lonely Planet book what the next spiel would be that I was going to be giving, uh, and talking to the bus driver. He would be telling me where what's coming up and uh, blagging my way through through being a tour guide. But when you think about it, um, tour guiding and teaching is very very similar. It's uh, you know educating the people with the information, uh, you know, presenting in a way that's uh, palatable um, and making sure they understand and, and, and just having a good time. So, so it wasn't, it's, it sounds like a crazy uh, career move but actually it was very similar. So, so, I was tour guiding for a while and then the, and one of the guys I was working for um, asked me to run his company for a little while while he went on holidays and so I did that and then when he got back, I decided that I actually wanted to have a go at doing my own thing. So, so I ended up setting up my own uh, travel and events business. And I guess all this time I'm moving further and further away from a career in sport. Uh, you know, the travel and the events were were not of the sport variety. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was really having a good time and, and going to Europe and, and seeing the sights and, and, and partying was, was what it was all about. So, so I'm moving further and further away from I guess what was my original passion. And um, and on the side to that though, I, I I started recreational running. So it was one of the only sort of consistent activities I could do, being on the road quite a lot and travelling. So long as I had a pair of running shoes, uh, I could you know, get out and have a run and see the sights and whatnot and, and anyone who, who knows uh, sort of the joy and the benefit of, of getting up early in a, in a foreign city and going for a run and seeing the city wake up will understand and appreciate what a, what a great thing that is. So, so I got interested in running and, and started entering a few you know, fun runs and races and started doing some 10Ks and some half marathons and ended up doing a, a, a few marathons and so essentially became a bit of a, a recreational athlete. Um, did a few triathlons, did a Monaco 70.3 which was I guess the highlight of my triathlon career, not very quickly but I did it um, and so yeah, really enjoyed that space, uh, got into it but all the while still doing the tour guiding and the events and uh, got engaged and then my wife, uh, well, my, my now wife and I were making, a, a, I guess planning the next phase of our life and this is where we decided we were going to move to Australia or back to Australia for me and, and Nikki's South African so I was moving to Australia for her and I said to her, this is around 2010, I said, as much as, 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 much as I'd love the tours and the events that I'd been putting on, I was done. I was over it. Um, I didn't want to do that anymore and I, and, and I said, what I really want to do is get back into what was my original passion and focus which was something to do with sport, exercise, health, fitness, well-being, whatever, whatever that would be, whatever whatever form that would take. And so luckily around this time, I found Parkrun. Um, I, I started doing a couple of Parkruns and and I, I realized that Parkrun at, at that point was only in the UK and in Denmark. Um, so I thought I wonder if there's an opportunity to, to take Parkrun to Australia. So I sent an email to, to Parkrun through the website and uh, Paul Sinton Hewitt, who's the founder of Parkrun, uh, replied and I didn't know who Paul was or, or anything like that. So I met up with Paul and, and, and we just hit it off. Where I, I pitched to him the idea of taking Parkrun to Australia and I think certainly the idea and the concept of international expansion was already on his mind. Um, so luckily for me, I was the right guy in the right place at the right time and I, I pitched him the idea of taking Parkrun to Australia. He, he, he bought into it. Um, We came up with a a franchise arrangement where I I was going to be the first international franchise Um, and the deal was done, so to speak. Uh, But I think what I want to be clear about to to your listeners, Ed, is that I never thought Parkrun was was going to be a job. Um, Parkrun, my motivation was, A, I thought it was going to be really fun. I I thought the concept itself was great, so it was going to be fun and and that people would, would also buy into it. But from a selfish perspective, I thought it would be a way for me to reconnect with Australia, reconnect with business networks and and, and people who could then potentially get me a job. Uh, so, grow my network, build my network through being Parkrun's first volunteer in Australia. Um, so, that was the original driver um, and, and, you know, retrospectively, I now know that Parkrun became the job itself but it certainly was, you know, that was never the goal. So, I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned and, and one of the lessons, sort of life lessons that I pass on to people or talk to people about is the fact that you've kind of got to be in it to win it and so if you want to have a job in sport or, or exercise or fitness or whatever it may be, you've just got to get your foot in the door and, that, and, and 99 times out of 100, that's going to be through volunteering. Uh, and So the value of volunteering as well as everything you gain from it in terms of skills and, uh, and, and, and friends that you meet but it's it's building those networks and getting your foot in the door with with a, with an industry or a business that can go on to potentially be something that can change your life, and that's what's happened with me. Uh, you know, I've I've I got in there as a volunteer. I had self selfish motives of of wanting to grow my network, which I've certainly done. Um, but uh, obviously, it's then evolved into something that I've now been working on full time for eight no mid twenty twelve, so seven and a half years. So mid mid twenty twelve is when uh, I actually became employed by parkrun in australia um, and it's now end of 2019 so it's uh it's been a wild journey um but yeah absolutely incredible
0: i actually find this a fascinating journey really and before we talk about today's podcast topic there's one thing i do want to touch on and it relates to your career journey how important is it to be very proactive with regards to taking action like give you some snippets of your journey you getting on the plane to be a teacher in the uk then you're doing the tour guides could you just Share the listeners those sort of learning lessons by just taking action, sort of following you the gut.
1: Yeah, look, I've always been entrepreneurial. Even before I knew what the word entrepreneurial meant, uh, I was kind of doing it. And um, when I was in uni, when when all my mates had jobs in, you know, McDonald's or whatever it would be... um, I set up my own mobile DJ business so I used to DJ weddings and and 18th birthday parties and 21st birthday parties and 50th and all that sort of stuff Um, and so I did that for pretty much the whole time I was in uni Uh, and and that was really my uh, I guess first steps into being proactive and, and and, uh, you know, being entrepreneurial and I guess all those things that I've, that I've talked about in my journey there and in my story, they're all things that I went out and did myself. I went and grabbed like there was, no, you know, no, I didn't grow up in a family of entrepreneurs, I grew up in a family of teachers and and for me to do these things and sort of break the mold and think outside the square is is not something that was uh i guess inherited uh it's something that i think i've just had within me uh and it's something that i've, I've used to my advantage and so you know whether it be moving to the uk having a career change in the uk reaching out to parkrun or turning parkrun into uh what is now a job you know these are all things that haven't been presented to me um you know i've had to i've had to work for them I, you know literally when the arrangement i had with Paul Sinton hewitt when i took parkrun to australia was simply I've, I had to make it work, you know, uh, I had to be the, vo- you know, the first volunteer and fund it and, and everything like that. So, so yeah, you, you've absolutely just got to have a go, you know, no one's going to deliver these things to you on a platter. Um, you have to have a go. Um, sometimes you'll fail and I've had plenty of failures along the way. I still do and I'm sure I still will um, but it's all these failures that you learn from uh, and, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, you, you almost never fail. You either win or you learn. Uh, that's kind of the approach you have to take. So, um, so yeah, absolutely being proactive is, is the key. Being a, being a go-getter, being entrepreneurial, all of these things are, are going to uh, ideally lead to success.
0: And just relating to today's podcast topic, which is what are the benefits of volunteering, like really quickly – when people at university and people who are in the industry say, go and volunteer. But sometimes a student thinks, well, what does that actually mean? What, what do I gain out of it? What elements do I gain? Is it personal? Is it actually like rewards of a job? You know? So would you mind just decoding the benefits of volunteering and how it supported you with regards
1: to your career journey, with regards to Park run? Absolutely. And, and look, this is something I talk about a lot. And within Parkrun, we talk about it a lot. And we we now present volunteering very differently to the way we did even probably three years ago. Um, for for a long time, uh, we as well as pretty much every other organisation out there talks about volunteering in terms of, oh, let's thank our volunteers for for giving back and giving up their time. And and this is something that we've when we when we survey our volunteers, we say, you know, tell us about your volunteer experience. None of them talk about what they give, they all talk about what they gain. And so, what we've come to understand and and now how we promote is that volunteering isn't a giving opportunity, it's a gaining opportunity. Because if, if, if all you're doing is giving, it presents you and it presents volunteering as almost like a form of martyrdom. You know, at Park Run, it's like, oh, uh, you've got to give up your run or walk to volunteer. But actually, that's not That's not what the insight tells us. The insight tells us that the people who volunteer are gaining as much from volunteering as the people who are running and walking. So if you're running and walking, you're gaining physical fitness. If you're volunteering, you're gaining a whole other suite of things and, you know, I mentioned it before, but you're, you're gaining skills, you know, new skills. And that can be, you know, we have lots of older people who volunteer at Parkrun and that might be the first time that they've done anything digitally, you know, using laptops and, you know, we have a, a scanning and a timing app. For a lot of older people, this is completely foreign. But in a, in a non-threatening Parkrun environment, you can learn that skill of using digital devices. Um, you make friendships, you know, we, we talk about that all the time. And, uh, I mean, even personally for myself, you know, I'm a, I'm, as much as I, I, I work for Parkrun, I still volunteer as well. And some of my best friends are people that I've met volunteering at Parkrun. And, you know, one of the great things about volunteering and not just at Parkrun, but you end up spending significant amounts of time fulfilling a volunteer role with other people. And so that's the opportunity when you can talk to them and find out about their life and who they are and what makes them tick and friendships and challenges and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, we always say to our event teams that if – you never turn away a volunteer, even if all your volunteer roles are filled, if someone wants to volunteer, you just put them with someone who's already doing it, you have two people doing the same thing, they might become friends uh, so you're, you're getting people to double up. So, so we've completely changed the way that we talk about volunteering. Volunteering for us now is a gaining experience. Uh, and that's not something we make up. This is what the insight and the research and the surveys tell us. People are gaining friendships, they're gaining skills, they're gaining confidence. And they are still, in in many cases, gaining physical health benefits as well, even just the physical health benefit of being outside in the sun, uh, you know, just breathing in fresh air. You know, there's a there's a benefit to that because what's the alternative? The alternative is you're at home in bed and... Some you know the mental health benefits of being outdoors and being with friends and being in a community and being connected uh, is so important and uh, you know this is one of the things when I, when I talk to other uh, organizations and agencies who are relying on volunteers, I, I talk about are your volunteering opportunities that you're presenting? are you presenting them in such a way that these people are going to gain uh, or are you just telling someone to go off and stand on their own for three hours in the rain? Uh, because to me, that, that's not really a gaining opportunity. Um, so, so it's about, um, you know, for volunteers, it's about thinking about this is a gaining opportunity. For volunteer organisations, it's about making sure that when you structure your volunteering opportunities, that you're structuring, structuring them to give the best possible opportunity for it to be a gaining experience rather than something that's painful.
0: That is absolutely spot on, and thank you so much for sharing that sort of insight from a volunteering perspective. Now, getting back to Parkrun, would you mind just sharing the mission with regards to Parkrun and also just share, sort of getting back to your career journey, you said you pitched the idea to Paul, then you went to Australia. Could you just share that journey as well of how that's grown in
1: Australia? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the Parkrun mission is to help create a, a healthier and a happier planet. And the way that we do that is through working with uh, teams of volunteers all over the world and at the moment we're in 21 countries. So we work with teams of local volunteers in their local communities and we help them facilitate uh, a five-kilometre event you know, for runners and walkers and volunteers. Uh, those five-kilometre events happen on Saturday mornings in parks and open spaces uh, all over the world, as I said, in 21 countries. We also have a junior park run series, which happens on Sunday mornings, which is two kilometres, and that's for four to 14-year-olds. Uh, we also have park runs inside prisons, which is a, a whole other um, Kettle of fish, so to speak. Um, we have a number of prisons in, in the UK, and uh, about six months ago in Australia, we launched in prisons, and it's it's one of the most incredible things we've ever done. is is to work with um, work with the prisons uh, in the UK and Australia to to get inmates moving. Uh, the feedback uh, and the research that we've we've done on that so far is absolutely incredible in terms of uh, helping to uplift the atmosphere inside prisons, but also connecting. Uh, people inside with those on the outside so people start park running on the inside they tell their friends and family on the outside they start park running on the outside then they've got something to talk about hey how was your park run uh and even better than that is when people come out of the prison they've then got a community a positive park run community to go into Uh, so often people uh, when they come out of prison they just fall back into their old ways um and you know park run gives them something positive to go to so so look, yeah, it's uh it's an incredible organisation. I'm I'm so honoured to be part of it, and um, it's doing some amazing things, and who knows what the future holds. But um, yeah, get so getting back to to my journey, yeah. So I mean, look, you know, literally turned up in Australia, January twenty eleven, with a piece of paper from Paul that said I could do it, um, and from there, you know, I, I got lucky. I I had some um. Some early conversations that, that sort of got things on the right track, um, my wife and I decided that we would move to the Gold Coast, which is um, in queensland it 's about one hour south of Brisbane, a beautiful outdoors, beachy uh, kind of city, as the name Gold Coast would imply. Um, the mayor at the time on the Gold Coast was uh, one of australia 's greatest ever runners, Ron Clark, uh, what a legend uh, and In charge of their uh, parks and and spaces and and physical activity programs was a lady called Samantha Hughes. Uh, Sam's a marathon runner herself and uh, ex. Melbourne Marathon winner, ex-Gold Coast Marathon winner. So as you can imagine, I'm pitching up on the doorstep of uh, Gold Coast City Council with this running concept uh, and I've got Ron Clark as mayor, Samantha Hughes in charge of parks. Um, So it was very well received. Uh, They were immediately supportive uh, and they opened all the doors that was required for us to launch the first event on the Gold Coast in April uh, 2011. Um, At the same time, uh, my wife's brother's best friend uh, was high was high up in Adidas in South Africa. He introduced me to the team from Adidas Australia who were based down in Melbourne. Uh, and again, it was just a, a, a case of really good timing. They were looking to invest in uh, something in running, something that was a bit grassroots. Uh, And I turned up with a very, very amateurish PowerPoint presentation to pitch them the dream of Parkrun. And they they came on board. So I got extremely lucky there that um, Adidas were able to provide some early funding. So... So yeah, a couple of things fell into place, and um, by the middle of the following year, um, July, by about July 2012, there was enough funding for me to sort of chuck in everything else I was doing, and I was working all sorts of weird jobs to pay the bills whilst I was growing Parkrun. I'm not even going to go into that, um, but um, yeah, I was able to focus on Parkrun full time from July 2012, and so. For many years it was just me in a paid capacity but I've, I've always had the support of incredible volunteers, uh, people who kind of got involved volunteering at their event level and then just said, w- we can do more, we want to do more, we believe in what you're doing, we believe in this organisation and so um, so as much as it was me as a single paid staff member right up until about 2016, so for the first four years, um, it would be remiss of me not to acknowledge the fact that I had so many capable uh, people helping me out in various functional ways, be it um, doing the books, you know, the accounting, uh, helping with the marketing, helping with content creation, social media, operations, you know, pretty much you name it, pretty much all the roles that we now have paid staff in are things that I had people helping me out out with as volunteers Um, and actually a lot of those people have now become staff Uh, so and that's been a real... A really rewarding thing for me to be able to acknowledge those people who were extremely capable, were helping me out over and above what I could have ever asked or expected of them to do uh, and then I was able to get to a point where I, where I could actually say, hey, you know what, I can employ you now. Uh, and so we've built an incredible team, we've got uh, 10 paid staff now that uh, work in, in Australia um, almost all of them I've known for years because they've come through the ranks as volunteers um, and again it's a bit of a cliche but we are genuinely like a family these are people who I've known they've, they've been w- with me throughout having children and I've seen the ups and downs in their lives and so these are people that I know extremely well um, and yeah it's a joy to, to have them as, as my colleagues now so, so, there's, so it's, been, it's been quite a growth journey um, six months ago We started having a conversation about my role changing. Uh, So I was um, CEO of Parkrun Australia. But reality is that we've been overseeing much more than Australia for a number of years now. So we launched Parkrun in Singapore um, from Australia as the administrative hub. Uh, Likewise, we launched in Malaysia. Um, We've supported New Zealand for a number of years. Um, and we also launched Park Run in Japan last year completely from our Australian office. We have a full time uh, Japanese speaking Japanese employee on our office in the Gold Coast. And and so it was only a matter of time till we had to sort of review the structure. And so, uh, yeah, about probably about three months ago now, my role changed from being a. Uh, exclusively or officially Parkrun Australia to now being the strategic director of Parkrun Asia Pacific. Uh, hence Ed, we're having this conversation in the Hilton Hotel in Singapore. Um because we're at the Mass Participation World Conference, which has been fantastic. Um, but yeah, my outlook now, as much as Australia is still ninety percent of the business, uh you know 380 Parkruns in Australia now. Um, but we're now directly directly overseeing and managing New Zealand, Singapore, Malaysia, and Japan, um, and and of course looking at uh, other opportunities. And, and there are certainly plenty of inquiries that are coming through, uh, Fiji, Indonesia, India, China, Thailand. Um, you know there's a there's an incredible population base here in APAC I think it's something like 4.2 billion people live in this region something like 60 percent of the world's population so if we can turn you know 0.001 percent of them into park runners I think that's going to keep us busy for the for foreseeable future so um, incredible opportunities that I've been uh, given and um, you know we're really only just beginning.
0: I find this really fascinating just on a personal note Tim what have you enjoyed the most of your journey looking back?
1: well look I, I could probably break that down into two categories one being personal as in as in looking personal satisfaction within the business and and I think I probably touched on it before when talking about people um, and it's the people that I've met through park run those that have become staff but also those who are just park runners I've got to know really well and you know I returned from the UK having been away from Australia for 10 years and um, Pretty much my my network in Australia was pretty much my school friends, um, and you know that were they'd moved around the place. So, and I think about it now, and uh, I mean, there's I can I can turn up in. Pretty much any city in Australia or regional town, and and I've got someone I can go have a coffee with. Uh, I think that's absolutely incredible. You know the the community that we've been able to grow, and and the personal benefit that I've gained from that in terms of my network and friendships has been has been incredible. Um, and then if I look at it as a more of a an internal personal level. Um, it's definitely watching my children go through a park run journey. And uh, like when we started park run in 2011, uh, it was myself and my wife and the dog. Uh, a year later, Jack came around um, and we got the running pram pretty early on. So, you know, Jack is now seven and, and he just knows no different than Saturday morning is park run. And, and Saturday morning means being active. It means getting out of bed. It means being a part of your community. It means volunteering. Uh, it means... He's a little kid talking to adults and that's normal. Uh, And so Jack's seven, Evie's five, Archie's two and a half. And and my children don't know any different. Um, Being active and being part of the community is is just a normal part of life. Uh, And... If we can leave one legacy from Parkrun that's going to make me really proud, it's going to be that the children of today become the adults of tomorrow who are being active and they're part of their community and they're encouraging their kids to do the same down the track. So looking at that legacy, that's something that uh, I think everyone in Parkrun's is really proud of. Uh, and as a father of three, that's what's really close to my heart.
0: Tim, you can see the smile on my face of how much I've enjoyed this conversation. And I'd like to finish with an inspirational question now. What three tips would you give to university students or graduates who really want to work in like the running events sector?
1: Yeah, well, I'm probably going to repeat things that I've said already, Ed. But, um, you know, of course, one is is you've just got to be in it to win it. So you have no one's going to just find you and offer you a position, offer you a job uh on 50,000 pounds a year you know there you have to start small you have to get your foot in the door and nine times out of 10, that's going to be about volunteering uh, because that's going to be how you're going to meet people, grow your networks and also get the experience and learn the skills. You know, you're not going to learn the skills that you're going to need professionally at university. You know, you're going to get an academic grounding, absolutely, but the specific technical skills that you're going to need to do jobs in the real world, whatever that may look like, you're only going to learn on the job and, 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 and in the industry and in the companies that you want to work for. So, So I think put yourself out there. Um, get involved as much as possible. I think tip number two is going to be along the same lines with volunteering but it's about understanding that volunteering is a gaining opportunity not a giving opportunity so that's where you might be strategic you know think about what do I actually want to gain and where is going to be the best place for me to gain that. So if you want to gain digital skills um, you know think about who has a digital platform that you respect and admire and find interesting and you know, go go and seek them out and see if there's ways you can volunteer and learn some more about what life's like on the inside. If you want to be more operational focused, then once again, you know, look at where, where are you going to be able to to learn those things. So, so I think that would be uh, tip number two. And tip number three, Ed, I'm looking at you and I'm like, I, I can't even think. I might just leave it there. I might leave it at two tips. I reckon there's plenty to do there and I'm sorry if that ruins the uh, formula of the podcast but um, rather than just make something up, I'll leave it at two. Um, but I think if you're if you're listening and you're interested in getting into a sport a career in sport, then I think if you follow tips one and tips two, tip two, then uh, that'll certainly go a long way to getting you where you need to be.
0: That is absolutely spot on. You know, less is more, as I say. And
1: on that note, how can people interact with you online? Yeah, well, I'm I'm on uh, all the usual channels, but I think. Uh, Let's go Twitter, uh, at Tim Oberg78, so T-I-M-O-B-E-R-G for Gary, 78. uh, And likewise on LinkedIn, uh, pretty sure it's the same, Tim Oberg78. There aren't many Tim Obergs around, so uh, yes, uh, look me up, and I'm more than happy to connect and engage with anyone who wants to have a discussion about uh, my career. That is fantastic. Those
0: two links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Tim, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ed. Wow, what a fascinating podcast chat with Tim. It's interviews like this that excite me and I'll be honest, I've been looking forward to promoting this podcast and I wanted to do it at the right time. For me, I'm editing this during COVID-19 and with regards to volunteering and all those tips or being involved in running events, if your country says stay at home at this time, please stay at home. But I wanted this podcast to be fuel for you to prepare yourself to put yourself out there in the sports industry when the sports industry gets back to where it should be, when live sport is happening, when live events are happening, when volunteers are needed at events. I really do hope now you've got a better perspective. That's the key word, perspective of the benefits of volunteering. Like Tim shared the real benefits of when you put yourself out there, you gain so many benefits, the friendships, the network, the skill sets. Um, The great example he gave is um, with the older generation of not used to technology, volunteering, you're in a safe environment to see where technology is applied in running events, for example. So I just want to share this with you where I know a lot of people in the sports industry are struggling and I wanted this podcast to be a tool of information where it can give you some Information which you can put into practice, and now you've got a better understanding of the benefits of volunteering. The next step is to put yourself out there, and just to be clear and uh, not to think I'm a know all. But I volunteered myself, and it's something that I've learned along my career journey that it does give you the skill sets. Um, I'll be honest, I've learned more from a skill set perspective than network, but when I've got involved in volunteering, it's given me the skill sets to apply what I know into action. So look, I really do hope you enjoyed this as much as I have and apply Tim's career guidance tips, those two right at the end and put it into practice relating to your sports career journey today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, i like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Tim said, when you put yourself out there, you will never fail. You either win or you learn.